All right, we're back here with the Patriarchy Podcast. I'm Roger, and this is Circe. I'm Circe. And this is Jip. How's it going? Pretty good. We're going to open with a quick question. What's the best PC game you've played and why? Not favorite, but best. Best. The one you would say this is the (laughs) best. What best means, I don't know. I don't know what best means. I've got my criteria for what best is. So I'm going to jump in with Darkest Dungeon. Okay. Uh, wow. It's a very simple role-playing game in a lot of ways, but I love it because it's super, 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 super simple, but the strategy is crazy complicated. Okay, and why is it not your favorite? <laughs> because it's way too damn hard. Okay. <laughs> All right. I agree. I've played it. A new pick and an indie pick showing some cred there. All right. That's good. All right. Jip, uh, what do you say? So I'm going to have to go with TIE Fighter. <laughs> Awesome pick. Solid choice. Solid choice. Because I'm really old. Uh, <laughs> you got to bust out the flight stick. <laughs> yeah, joystick required. I it's, it's my favorite of the space flight sims because I think honestly because it's got a huge nostalgia factor for me because I played it when I was in my early teens. Um, and I, I fully admit that there are games that are better than that, like Descent Free Space, for instance. Um, no, 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 <laughs> no. I, yeah, I like all the I like all the management. At least I played a lot of X Wing, not so much Tie Fighter. I like all the management, the shields, and putting extra power to thrusters. Less yeah, to shield yeah, power management. I, yeah, it's really fun. Really fun aspect of the um, game. And 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 Tie Fighter, they added more like little like MacGuffin type missions that you can unlock by doing certain things during a mission. Cool. Um, like, oh, you inspected this container. Now there's like a secret mission or whatever. They're they're rebooting it soon. Uh, Star Wars. That's that's it's going to be the next thing, man. But that's PvP, and I imagine they're going to kind of have to dumb that down. But I hope not. I really hope not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm looking forward to that one though, even though it's, it's associated with your evil. choice, Roger. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, mine. This is a deep cut and a weird one. I interpret best as most influential, and I'm going to go with, in, and you said PC, so most influential in PC in particular, Daggerfall. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, the, first, played, yeah. the first open world game. The first right. truly just like go anywhere, explore a dungeon, pick up a quest anywhere you want, mm-hmm. go up, any fa- pick a faction, yeah. 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 Right. raise up through a faction if you want to, do whatever. I never beat the game. Who needs to, right? So I think I think it's as far as most influential, just set the stage for so many more things to come. Uh, Daggerfall. Yeah, I, I got into that with Morrowind. So yeah, I and I was gonna say I was considering Morrowind because I never played Daggerfall. Daggerfall is even more open than Morrowind. I wouldn't recommend it though. It's the best. It's not my favorite uh, <laughs> because. You know, it's Daggerfall. It's so, 24 years old now. <laughs> yeah, it's 24 years old. Well, they've got a reboot in Unity. Looks nice, but it's still Bethesda at its most untweaked. So is, that, is there just there's too few, like, breadcrumbs or guardrails? Is, is oh, there- yes. There's no guardrails. Okay. Yeah. yeah you, you can, and you can actually kill quest, like, make render quest, like, story quest uncompletable by mm-hmm. killing the wrong NPC. And the game doesn't warn you. It's just right. kind of... yeah. You're just curious about why that quest isn't continuing for the rest yeah. of the Sometimes they give you the warning message, hey, if you kill this person, you're going to screw things up. But sometimes it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. Good game, uh, though. 
I mean, good game as far as hours played and places seen. Good game. All right, good good picks. I think I think um, towards the end we'll we'll flip the script and do um, actual favorites, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> exactly to the end of this informative podcast, the patriarchy. All right, creepy Uncle Joe picks Kamala Harris. Is that a smart pick or no. not? My bias is showing. So no, no. Uh, <laughs> oh no uh let's go uh seriously what do you say so when i first heard it i thought it was a completely idiotic pick but my second thought is that it may have been the best possible choice after he narrowed himself just to women and in particular right now there's a big fight going on over who's going to be you know the law and order candidate who's going to stop whether you call them rioters or looters or peaceful protesters whatever and I think Kamala Harris may be actually a really smart pick for Democrats to be able to argue, no, 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 we're not going to let this get out of hand. She's the tough on crime prosecutor. Is that Exactly. The I mean, I despise her. I think she did a terrible job as the lead prosecutor of California, but that's not what this is about. Jip, what do you say? Real politic uh, this for us. Well, no, I, th- I think she, she is the obvious tactical choice. And I'm I'm kind of weirded out by how long it took them to pick her. I feel like it might have been because there's that bad blood. I, I know they're trying to pretend like they're friends, but I mean, you remember that debate where she just like ripped him apart, right? Right. <laughs> just just hung him Absolutely. out and dry. More than that, I remember the debate where Tulsi maybe same debate. I get them confused. Ripped her apart. Yeah. Uh, nope. Tulsi got her like two debates later, and yeah, that was, was my later. favorite part of all the debates. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's the best part. I donated immediately a second time to Tulsa. Yeah, right. I stood and saluted my screen to YouTube. Yeah, that, that was that was breathtaking. But but then, yeah. Well, we won't talk about Tulsi. No, uh, Paul. <laughs> oh, F, F's in chat for Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Harris. Um, I think it's the smart pick. They're obviously not interested in bringing in the more left-wing elements of, of the party. Like, their strategy has always been to tack to the center um, and court Republicans who think Trump is impolite um, and kind of bring them into the, the, right. the right wing of, of the Democratic Party. So good, suburban, good tactic. Yes, suburban good. housewives, yeah. um, college-educated women who voted for Trump. That's their target. Those are the votes that they're going to try and bring into the party. And I think Harris helps them do that. And, you know, this is coded language that um, Uncle Joe would definitely use is she's one of the good ones is what Joe Biden. Would <laughs> he, and, and I know people are going to get mad, but that's the kind of crap that comes out of the dude's mouth. Like, do, yes. do we remember corn pop? Okay. Right, right. Yeah, hairs on his legs. He knows about roaches. So, um, okay. Uh, my take, and this is going to be a really hot take. It's going to be spicy. I think they held out so long at Kamala because Kamala didn't want it. Not because of bad blood, because they know they can't win, and she doesn't want to lose that opportunity. Mm, interesting. I think I think we're all agreed that the MSM—that's mainstream media, Grandma—the uh, MSM is essentially a propaganda arm of the Democratic Party right now. Um, Except Fox News, yeah, which is which is going to have to rupture. They're going to have a civil roar. You should just watch Hannity compared to Tucker. Those two men do not like each other right now. Uh, so, if you agree with that, then you also probably agree that polling right now is not only garbage but also meant to influence more than it is to inform. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. if you know these things, then you know that Kamala probably knows those things too and is looking and going, no, I think Trump's going to win. I don't want to lose my shot by backing this horse, that mm-hmm. horse being the dead horse, Biden. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my conspiracy deep cut uh, hot take I mean, on that can, one. She can still run in 2024 if she loses on the ticket. I mean, all, all I think this would do is raise her profile. Maybe it might, it might, but depends uh, on how bad they lose. If it's a 48 or 49 state (laughs) route, no, that she's going to be dead. If it's a squeaker and Trump barely wins, then she's the logical next candidate. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting, that's a, that's a fascinating take, Roger. I hadn't heard anybody mention the idea that she wouldn't want it. Mm -hmm. Um, The only reason I've had for the thought of the delay is that they were hoping somebody else would, you know, blow up, whether it was going to be Duckworth, whether it was going to be somehow, Others with Warren, you know, whether somehow I'll take, I'll take Warren runs. over Kamala. I'll take Warren <laughs> over Kamala. Look, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If, if she's debating Pence, all Pence has to do is go to everybody who bought firearms in the midst of these riots. She wants to take those guns away. It's called a mandatory buyback is what she phrases it as. It's confiscation. That's all he has to say. And those suburban housewives are going to be gone. That's, that's all he has to say. Is Kamala? Yeah, Kamala, Kamala um, mandi- yeah. mandatory buyback is her is her yeah. language right now. Nice um, yeah, terrible play, terrible play right now mm. because firearm sales are up throughout the nation. Just right. through the, not not like oh no, we have a Democratic president, so they're up. But like we're sold out of guns now right. at Walmart because of rioting. So uh, yeah, that's a bad play right now. But you've got that. So I don't know. I don't know. Kamala Harris is terrible pick. She's out. It's an out of touch pick. I mean, she's disingenuous, right? She went on uh, Charlemagne the God's podcast, lied about liking Tupac. She doesn't know when he made what songs. Uh, you know, it's like if I re- I recall when I was in elementary school and I listened to to Nickelback or something. It's like, no, dude, that's <laughs> that didn't happen. It's not a real thing. And that's what she did with Tupac, uh, trying to be one of the people. Make marijuana comment too while she was on Exactly. That. She's like, oh yeah, my family's Jamaican. And then her dad came out publicly and said, How dare you? <laughs> not on the Jamaican potheads. We yeah. smoke real good. Wink wink. Yeah. Or or like what did she actually say? Uh, this is off the cuff, but yeah, you know, I know about all that okay, wink, wink. Yeah, all because right. I am, exactly. my family's Jamaican, right? Wow. Racism. Cool. Yeah. Racism. And her family <laughs> called her out on it. Her dad was like, no girl, <laughs> don't do that. Oh, don't smoke out. <laughs> no, no. Well, not just that. Like, don't make us look bad. Stop. Right. Stop. So it was, it was, it was a bad, Kamala's a bad take. Oh, so, so if she's debating Trump. Mm-hmm. She's or she's debating. Excuse me, Pence. Pence is going to easily shut her down in a polite way. My fear is that he'll be too polite, and republic polite, good-natured Republicans tend to defend themselves, which is the wrong take against Kamala. Mm-hmm. She'll go, "You're racist for X." It doesn't matter what because you because yeah. you like hostess ding dong. She'll find some reasons, right? And she'll say, "You're racist," and he'll go, "I am not." Let me tell you all the things I've done, and he's done. He's yeah, dead. That's, that's the wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. the wrong answer is how very dare you? Summon yeah, your do, yeah. yeah. Do your Greta Thunberg? How very dare you? Uh, no, you, it, I'm not racist. You're just unlikable, right? That's what Trump would say. 
Right. If Trump were debating Kamala, he'd go, no, I'm not racist. Just like many Americans who are listening right now, we just don't like you. <laughs> and he would get yeah. mad applause, right? So right. I, w- I wish it were Kamala Trump, landslide. Because that's well, what everybody's going to watch. Who party. knows? It still could be, in theory. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. old Joe, he's hanging. <laughs> oh, God. He hired extra bodyguards now. It's like they're coming for <laughs> he's- I mean, the man is like, uh, I mean, did you see when he introduced her, that the little um, video? That, oh, I, mean, I didn't have time. To, I, I wanted to watch it. I heard it was a, it was a spectacle. He's, 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 it feels like he's just like, they must have him like on amphetamines just to like get out of bed in the morning or something. He seems like he's about to drop. I, I love at the end of one of his podcasts that had literally ones of thousands of people watching. <laughs> he, um, he, he was like just kind of staring at the camera. At the end of it, tapping his little note cards, going, well, yep. <laughs> and his wife walks up and gives him a hug and a kiss. And he's like, uh-huh. He looks at her. Yeah. And then she walks away, and you hear her go, Joe. And he's like, oh. And he turns, and he walks off. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah. oh, man, this dude. Meanwhile, Trump is a beast. He's a media beast. When people listen to Trump, they like him. That's why CNN is cutting off so many of his live broadcasts now. Mm-hmm. They find that when people listen to him, they like him because you know it's like listening to your your uncle or something. Yeah. He's kind of a jerk, and he says whatever. It's not. You find out. Oh wait, he isn't the worst thing I've ever heard. Right, he doesn't sound focus grouped. He doesn't sound like a lawyer. He doesn't sound like he is crafting his words carefully in the hopes of tricking you in some way, which right. is, sounds like when someone like Kamala Harris speaks. Right, and he and he also doesn't sound like Bane. <laughs> Which is what, if you've never listened to Trump before, you're thinking you're going to get, you know, he's Satan, right? And then you listen to him like, oh, no, he's just like a dude. But at any rate, that's my long, hot take. I had a lot of thought about Kamala. It's a garbage pick. It's not going to motivate. Right now, it's all about who's motivated. Uh, it will motivate the right. They picked the exact candidate to motivate. The only person they could have gone with that would have been worse for the Democrats would be Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> Seriously, like you do not you want to mo- you want to get all of my family out to vote Republican, like not just say they'll vote Republican, but get them in there pulling the lever. You you say we're going to have mandatory buybacks on your guns. My last thing on this is like overall, I tend to support the Republicans over the Democrats, but I'm a libertarian. Pox on all their houses. Pox on your house right now. George Organson is a is a weirdo. But well, we may on. get to that. Um, <laughs> Some of Trump's executive orders he's done over the last couple of weeks really have worried me. There were probably some Democrats he that, that Biden could have picked that I would have said, you know what? They they might be better than Trump. They're still terrible, but they might be better than Trump. Who and why? Honestly, as bad as she is, uh, Duckworth possibly. Uh, also, as already mentioned, um, Warren. I, and I'm just saying women because he had already said he was going to pick a woman if he picked a man after that. Everyone was going to crucify him. Yeah, but I, I'm a I good really, person. I like women. Yes, yes. I I really don't think there's anybody he could have picked more the worse than Kamala Harris to make sure someone like me goes and votes for Trump. Yeah, yeah. You who would normally vote third party are probably going to vote Trump this year just because no, nope, can't have it. Can't have Kamala. Yeah, I know. And, and I love that even CNN basically admits, yeah, really, whoever the vice president for the Democrats is is going to be president. Before the end of the term. You think that Chaz is going to show up to vote for Kamala? Do you think Kamala is going to get an overwhelming – is going to bump up the black vote? No. Maybe black female vote 
in general, it's not going to be that huge of a bump. And people are tuned in now. People are more tuned in now than they've ever been. And when I say tuned in, I'm, I mean, as opposed to putting on CNN on the TV when they come home, they're checking into their podcaster. They're checking into Joe Rogan or Charlemagne or Tim Pool or whoever it is you go to. They're checking in that way. And so people like Kamala aren't going to be able to double back on what they said before and say, right. well, what I meant by mandatory buyback was they're not going to be able to get away with that. Mm-hmm. Someone will just post a link to them literally yeah. speaking about it on a podcast. Uh, we, right. Yeah. right. Whenever I said that, yeah, I smoke pot, I didn't really mean that, you know, nope, you can't do it. Can't do it anymore. And you're not as slick as Clinton. You're not going to be able to say I didn't inhale, get laughed at, and people still like you. You don't have that charisma. <laughs> you roll. You did. You roll low on that charisma stat, Kamala. Sorry. But plus, she wasn't the hypocrite. You know, Bill Clinton didn't prosecute people for using marijuana. Exactly. How terrible is this person? I mean, come on, really? How terrible is she? Pretty oh. terrible. All right. Probably enough. Bad pick. <laughs> What'd you say? That's probably enough on Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, All right. right. I like this. Uh, Jip, you say you want to discuss the free market contradiction. Monopolies damage markets, but markets inevitably create monopolies. Please tell us what that means, and I want to hear Sirs come back on you. Or agree. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is just a, a general theme whenever I'm talking about um, economics. I mean, that's the core issue in the United States. Um, there's always this uh, tension between monopoly and quote-unquote equality of opportunity in the and and, you know first came about when the u.s became an economic powerhouse um, in the late 19th century so very very weak central government in the u.s up until uh world war one ish Um, yeah we, we liked child labor a lot yes well i mean that's not exactly what i meant but side effects yeah so um, weak central government, uh, we ended up with an economy that was run by a handful of powerful families, the Rockefellers, the, you know, the, the JP. Carnegie's, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. Um, and, Long view. Long view. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that is just a natural thing. Like once that snowball of, of intergenerational wealth forms, we don't have the will to stop that from basically coalescing into vertical monopolies in various parts of the economy. I mean, the, the most obvious example from that period is the railroads, right? Right. And in our current moment, there's a similar thing happening with banking in general, right? If, right. if you think back to when we were teenagers, there were um, many dozens of banks. Um, and then now that we're older, there's really only four left, if, if we're being real. And um, same thing with telecom. We're down to just a handful of providers there because there is no teeth to the antitrust legislation in the U.S. right now. And, you know, it's we don't want to punish success in America, though. So uh, what do we do, I guess? My my big question here is, as you say, Roger, is it time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had hopes on Trump. I'm gonna be honest. I had and Trump did some of that work, but he did it more when it came to the international exploitation of American workers, which sounds weird. Right. But right. you know what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna go to AT and T though and say, "Hey guys, 
right big let's have you before companies or something no i i got that but what he did do which i liked which is more than i'd seen in the past and what i meant by international exploitation of american workers is using things like nafta or a most favored nation status with china in order for our companies to have essentially a tax-free uh fee free uh, trade relationship with these nations where they mm-hmm. can use yeah. their cheaper labor yeah. and yet our internal stability, infrastructure, government, tax code, um, all of the things that I, me, Roger, give them through my tax dollars, they get all the benefits of America and give nothing back. Um, so Trump actually went harder than any president I've ever seen on that. Mm-hmm. Um, with his uh, talks with yeah, American auto manufacturing, he overturned NAFTA and he's going hard on China. So love him, love him for that. Um, well, I wanted to hear, but, but, but about American monopolies. Model, yeah. But yeah, how do we break up? Who, who watches the Koch brothers? Right. Yeah. I get you. Um, is, is there a point? I mean, we talked about this last episode very briefly. It's like, so we, we both agree that Wayland Utani is, is a losing situation. <laughs> Right. For mankind. So, when is the point where we step in to break up Whalen Utani? I guess that's and who point. can do it nowadays? Who can do that? Uh, no. uh, seriously, <laughs> how you doing? Yes, I'm going to break that up by myself. Yeah, uh, help us, help us no. solve this problem. Okay. So, there's an old saying: um, "From shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations," uh. and it basically is, you know, yes, people get very, very rich, and then very, very often their grandchildren or great-grandchildren are no longer necessarily that rich. Um, you know, some of the very, very rich people of the past were Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And yeah. while he has descendants today who are well off, you know, one of them is Anderson Cooper. Mm-hmm. I, I think he probably has more wealth from his work on CNN than he inherited from his family. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, there, are, there are lots of natural processes where if you have some genius who builds some amazing company, whether you're a Carnegie or a Rockefeller or a Vanderbilt, you know, that, that genius probably isn't in your kids, your great-grand, your, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, etc. And as long as there is competition, as long as people can go bankrupt when they make mistakes. That's the key though, right? That's the key. I, and, and so the real problem, again, it's not the market not stopping this. It's the government bailing out the, the people so they can't become losers. You know, I'm, I'm a cold-hearted capitalist, as everybody's going to hear me say many, many times. You know, that, that the banks go bankrupt. If you're too big to fail, you're too big to exist is closer to my belief. I don't think the government could stop them from getting that big, but I think in a lot of ways, the government is letting them get that big. And anybody looking at the banks and not looking at all the ways the government helps the banks get bigger, you know, things like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac buying bad loans so that the banks don't have to worry about if the loan is good or not. They can just do it, process it, make some money, and then sell it to the government and not take the risk. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I hear that. And definitely, I think banking and finance is an insurance, too, is a weird situation in the US because there's so much government intervention in those sectors. But I'd like to ask about telecom. So this is a thing that I've noticed myself and heard from many people that I know who live in Europe versus the US is that it's just light years different 
over there where where um, governments are a lot more interventionist, so to speak. There are more cell phone companies over there and service is better and it's cheaper than it is in the US. Just by every measure, they have better service. There seems to be more competition because there's more companies over there. What do you think is the reason for our failure in the U.S. to provide good and cheap uh, cell phone service to the population? So this isn't something I've spent too much time looking at, so I'm not really sure uh, about the differences between, say, Europe or Asia and American telecom systems. Um, I know there are lots of issues that the telecoms have, particularly in the rural areas. Like, you know, it's easy to build a cell phone network in New York City it's really hard to build a cell phone network that covers Colorado and Wyoming and the Rocky Mountains. So I don't know how much of that is they have great cell phone networks in Paris, but terrible cell phone networks in the countryside, mm-hmm. which and might ha- be an explanation if that were true, but I don't know if it's true. And how much of their, how much of their infrastructure is government provided wherein the companies essentially monitor and uh, facilitate service, right? So they're, I, from what I understand, they're not competing. I, I've read an article in Wired on this like way back in the 90s. So maybe this is old information. But when it comes specifically to cell phone service, what I understand, one of the problems in America is there are so many competing airwaves. We actually have too much competition in the sense that you have AT&T towers and you have T-Mobile towers mm-hmm. and they essentially compete with each other you lose service you lose yes we have cdma right we have cdma and gsm like there's no cdma outside the u.s base there's like a couple countries but in europe it's all gsm and at&t would not be responsible for providing uh towers in germany germany the german government does so they don't care if it's profitable to put a cell phone tower in Nebraska, right? They're not looking at cost benefit of how many customers versus placement because they're going to put one tower there for all telecom companies to make use of, which first of all incentivizes the placement. So one for all, right? So they're not so companies aren't getting a slice in that sense. They're not mm-hmm. going to decide what slice they're getting by placing this expensive tower. Second of all, they're going to place it anyways. It's on taxpayer money. It's like we have roads in Nebraska, right? Right. So, so I think that that is a big difference between the two, one in which socialism seems to be doing all right on that. And we're not doing so well, but you talk about telecom, I'd respond with what about cable companies? Mm -hmm. Seriously, you know, you've got cable companies who they're not bailed out by the government, but yet seem to have these supreme regional monopolies. Well, that, that's a governmental issue, though. That's the government's giving them monopolies in right, almost every case. I mean, beans. like where I am, it, it, is, it is not legal for anyone but like two companies to sell me cable service. The, the scenario that, that I'm, I'm thinking of here, so this is some kind of an endgame. What did we do in the situation where um, there is no central government and um, obviously that means the monopoly on force is gone, right? As you would call it. So the corporations now have their own private security forces. So you, you're talking about in particular what's going on in real life right now in places like 
Seattle, and <laughs> Minneapolis, right? Because that's literally happening. The, the, the monopoly on violence, they're rescinding that, right? They're going to mm-hmm. disband the police. They're going to disarm themselves. Yeah. And then, and then you're going to see the people rise up to do whatever people do. And I'm a Hobbesian kind of guy, so I think that people are going to do bad things. And so, therefore, you're going to see those with money be able to protect themselves. Right. And well, this is Mexico, Mexico and Central and South America. The, 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 the rich have private armies defending their compounds, right? Exactly. So that's, and, that's where it's going. But anyway, my, my old point here was in, in such a scenario where there are competing groups of private security forces securing certain geographic areas, what would stop those security forces or those companies from simply preventing new entrants to the market using their security forces? And I mean, it's, it, you can't tell me that they wouldn't, right? I mean, because that would be good business, right? Is, is to keep people from entering the market. Well, that depends. Like if it costs you more money to keep people out of the market than you make by having a monopoly, no, people wouldn't do it. Well, if you already have to have a, a private army to defend your interests, like it doesn't cost you any more money to just also prevent people from setting up storefronts in the streets that you control. But war is really expensive. It's a lot more expensive to have a war than a standing army. Well, it, it, is a lot more expensive than forcing it's not, people out it's of business. Not a war. Like, I mean, small businesses is just like a guy who comes into town with a van full of stuff to sell, right? And, you know, if, if the Walmart security forces can just turn him away at the checkpoint out, outside of the, the Walmart zone or whatever. Okay, this is, this is your future you envision, Chip? Is this where we're going? No, I'm just, I'm, so I'm, it's, I'm doing a thought experiment here. Um, I'm, I'm not saying this is or isn't going to happen, but the idea that, because there's always this idea that we need to get rid of the monopoly on force, right? In, in the libertarian circles, right? So I'm just trying to play that out. So if we have basically a feudal system where instead of lords, it's lords and shareholders, just replace those two things. How do you make sure that there can always be new oh. entrants to the market? How yeah, do you, this how is- you ensure that? Because that, that is something that... Right. Somebody's got to be responsible right. for it, right? Like a trade federation or, or something. So you're you're arguing against the big L libertarian concept of sort of anarcho-capitalism. Right. And I've always said, yes, feel free to pack up and move to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Please do that and enjoy your libertarian. Well, and then the, it, so the corollary is like, okay, cool. So we'll have a trade federation perhaps that will ensure that people can enter markets if, if they want to provide like a competing service. Okay. How, how does that not become another government? That exactly. Yeah. You're saying like, so who does it? Nothing changes that. That is the end game of capital L libertarianism. Capital L libertarianism is a faith based economy that believes so hard in Lockean dynamics that two gentlemen, any two gentlemen, Pick the dumbest guy you know, the dumbest, most selfish guy you know, and his friend are going to come together and create a trade federation. That is not how the world works. I'm too, oh, I'm too Osbian for that. You're, you're strawmanning the argument there pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, because no, no, I'm not. But, yes, but, you like, are. Yes. yes, you are. Because every single anarcho-capitalist admits there will still be crime, there will still be violence, there will still be aggression without the government. And you're trying to imply that we're saying it's going to be some perfect world where there is none. Uh, I agree and so, with so that. And 
And I, so I there's a couple things. Let me answer the question. You got to talk for 10 minutes asking the question. So first of all, if the worst situation is, well, we, if, if the fail state is, well, we have another government, then as long as that government's not too much worse than the current government, did we really lose anything? And basically, I come back to there are incentives, if nothing else, for corporations to compete with each other. If Walmart controls an area, well, they still need Apple if they want to sell iPhones. They still need Samsung if they want to sell Galaxies. They still need LG if they want to sell refrigerators. As, and as long as if you ever get to a corporation that has everything, that has problems too because they don't have market prices. They don't know what's efficient, and there are problems with that. So the libertarian answer, the Amazon. capitalist answer, is that eventually – there will be some sort of system that develops based on the various incentives that yes, companies want to get big, but at some point it's, it is possible to be too big and you start having issues. And that's why, you know, where was, my, where was Dell computers 40 years ago? Oh yeah, it didn't exist. And then this one guy created it because he was small, because he was nimble, because he found the cracks in the system and made it into, at one point, I think it was the third biggest computer company in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Compact did the same because they stole and reverse engineered. But I hear what you're saying. So my fear, my fear in all the libertarianism is that libertarianism doesn't have a precedent. Uh, you know, this, the, the anarcho-capitalist, big L libertarianism. And I fear that a lot of libertarians think It'll work. I believe that you and I, I believe the three of us could create an anarcho-capitalist situation and it would be fine for our families. In fact, we could probably include most people we know. However, we, we are all college graduated. We are all from a fairly difficult college, most of us. We have certain things that I wouldn't say, I'm not here to say that we're all super smart, but we're definitely not below average in intelligence. How do you suggest that libertarianism, the sort of you can do what you want for yourself, and if you mess up, you're on your own. How on earth does that work whenever half the people out there are stupid? I mean, by definition, they're dumber than average. Because that, by mathematical definition, half the people out there are dumber than average. I think that libertarians make this assumption that other people think like they do and will make the same kind of informed decisions and the same kind of choices that they would. That, that's how I think, why I think this fails. And my response is that libertarians are the most honest about people don't act morally. They don't have blinders on about, oh, the, well, I can trust this politician to do the right thing. No, we know he's going to act in his own self-interest just like everybody acts in his own self-interest. Right. Self oh, I have a thing on this. Yeah. Or, or, or sorry, they think they act in their own self-interest. People make mistakes. And yes, people who are less intelligent are probably more likely to make those mistakes. Um, do they deserve it? Is that just the, just the way it works out? So the cookie, cookie crumbles? I, I, don't you, know, I don't know that it's deserved. I, I think that's the way the world works no matter what. Well, so, until, until it, you're it, big enough so that you don't need other people. And then, and then because your basic principle is, well, you know, I'm, I'm helping you because it helps me. At some point, there's going to be people that, that don't need other people's help. Right. And, and they're going to become you know, like, you know, Ozymandias or whoever. <laughs> well, to but, be but, fair, Ozymandias was helping other people. To be fair, 
I mean, you may, you may question the man's methods, but he didn't do all of that because he right. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. It's like, he's totally divorced from any kind of ethical <laughs> or moral like grounding at all. Right. I'm not, I'm, 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 here I am making a case for Ozymandias. Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, that's. I, I don't think he's. Fair. I think he's the. I think he's the opposite of divorced. But that's a different. That's a nerd topic. We, we're gonna do Rorschach versus Ozymandias next time. I'm writing it down. And and the other thing, the other thing, Jip, remember, there's bread and there's beer and there's meat in supermarkets, not because everybody is, you know, wanting to help other people today. Our whole system today is because people are acting in their self-interest and, you know, before coronavirus, at least in America, there was plenty of stuff to buy on the shelves, not from anyone's benevolence, not from anyone's necessarily uh, desire to help fellow men, but because people, even Walmart needs people. They need people to buy their stuff. Apple needs people to buy their computers and buy their phones or they don't have anything either. If we kill all the people, nobody will buy our stuff. So we're moral, you see? All right, hold on, hold on, though. I, I, I know it's a straw man and I'm, I'm being flippant. But all right, uh, from what I gather, and the story's always changing, Trump wants to pass another round of Trump bucks, coronavirus relief, etc. Both sides of Congress agreed but the bill included a lot of sweetheart stuff that Trump didn't like, so he didn't sign on to it. Do I have that right? That's one story. The other story is that the Democratic House passed one bill that was $3 trillion. The Republicans wanted to do a different bill that was about $1 trillion. There were some talks about, well, how about $2 trillion? And that fell apart, and it fell apart probably in part because of Trump not agreeing and partly because he issued his executive order where he said, we don't need a law. I'm just going to start issuing money to unemployed people directly. Right, right. and I don't agree with that at all. I don't, I don't like whenever he did that for his wall either where he said, I'm going to use spending to build my project. I, those, are my, those are my biggest criticisms of Trump is his overextension of executive power. But those are my biggest uh, problems with every single president I've ever lived under. So. It's par for the course. But, but now right. things are even worse because the Senate has gone on recess until after Labor Day. So we've got weeks before anything is going to be done legislatively. There's – I mean there's no nothing at this point because even the executive orders are being challenged. So there is – Yeah, I feel, maybe, I feel like I live in like Nigeria at this point. It's, it's ridiculous. They like – they gave themselves vacation. <laughs> right. Like in this moment, they're like, mm, I'm going to go back to the Hamptons, y'all. Peace. Right. Right. Well, right. at least half of them are going back to their districts to try to raise money to continue their runs for re-election. But <laughs> right. Right. I did nothing for you. Re-elect me. Thank you. <laughs> You're starving. That's interesting. I could have done something about that. Too bad I have to dial for dollars. So, so what? I'm, I'm going to be honest here. This is one of your put-ups. Seriously, what's what's the contention here? I think we all agree it's a crap situation. We kind of probably all are irked at Trump's uh, boorishness. On this, what's the right word? His intrepidness, to put it nicely, on on his actions here. So, what what would be what what's the issue? I think we all agree on this. This is kind of a terrible situation, right? The reason I wanted to talk about this is all of these false starts. All of these, we're going to do things this way. No, we're going to change it. No, we're going to do it that way. All of these changes, all of this uncertainty, I think, is actually making things worse. Yes, And there's actually – there's a term for it um, that economists use called regime uncertainty, which yep. is you don't know what the hell the government's going to do, so how do you know what to do 
yourself. People are spending, in fact, I was just speaking with someone the other day where a lot of schools in LA just spent tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars putting up these plexiglass dividers between the desks. And then like two weeks ago, the mayor of LA comes out and says, no, all schools in LA have to be virtual for the next semester. Uh, that's why we're making like, no decision at our school, like until like the week before. Well, that. and this didn't happen with the first package either. You notice that? Like that one was just, that was through like overnight. There was like no discussion. They were like, yep. there was, there was, there was some Pelosi pushed back on the first deal, but eventually acquiesced. But yes, it was, it was, it was not like this. It was, it was super quick, and I wonder if that's because there's less pork in this one potentially, so there's there's less less back pressure on the push. Well, what the Republicans were saying is that the problem with the Democratic bill is that there's too much pork in it. There's things for that were part of the Green New Deal. There's things for you know encouraging uh, electric cars in it, and uh-huh. I tend to agree. If that isn't there, and who the hell reads these bills? Right. You know that probably doesn't belong in there. Yeah, absolutely. But okay. because of this, we have wait, hold on, wait, unemployment I, coming, maybe no unemployment coming. Does my coronavirus package include a Tesla? Because if it does, I'm down. If I'm it getting does not. that. Dang it. it does not. All right. uh, but the, all I want the, that truck. I want that move. There's also all the federal um, anti-addiction stuff is gone. And while I never supported that in the first place, as long as there are lockdowns, as long as there are people not working, there's, I think, a legitimate concern about people. Am I going to get evicted? Am I going to lose my house, my apartment? I have to disagree with you there on that one, the anti-eviction thing. And here's why, even though I'm generally a free market kind of guy, I believe that we have, when it's, it's why I'm in, I'm in favor of the dream act in a weird way. Um, when you create a situation that says things are one way and you, you, kind of manifest this at from the top down, which we've created the lockdown. We've created the situation where people can't go to work. When you create that, you then have to manage it. And that sometimes costs money. And that sometimes means you've got to make sure that people aren't kicked out of their house. Now, if, you know, if we didn't have government saying nobody, nobody can go to work, uh, you can just shut down these non-essential businesses. If we didn't have that going on, then we wouldn't need that intervention. But I think that intervention is necessary because it's a problem of our own making. I don't go around and put band-aids on everybody, but if I punch you in the face, even accidentally, I'm going to try to help you out with the wound. Well, and there are even libertarians who somewhat supported, what was it, the CARES Act on a theory of basically the takings clause. You know, the government took away your job, took away your ability to earn an income. So it may owe you compensation for that. Exactly. Exactly. So, so there is an argument for that, but what we have today is even worse because, again, nobody knows what the hell is going on. Right. And we also have unemployment benefits that pay more than their jobs ever did. So people aren't going back even if there's the opportunity. Yeah, you got Except the, you know, now we don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. And um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, a collapse of aggregate demand, right? I mean, what's going to happen next quarter if 20 million Americans are literally homeless and not buying iPhones, as you said earlier? Right. <laughs> right. And does, does the price go up or down? at that point because just production stop. I, I thought about this like, because you know I've been wanting to buy a new gaming rig for a while. It seems right. so petty that I'm talking about this, but <laughs> but but it's true. I mean, this is just, just the way the mind works, and I haven't. because I've got the money in the bank right now that if tomorrow I wanted to build it, I could, but I'm not because of corona. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm thinking, but that money's going to be worth less tomorrow. Will it be mm-hmm. more expensive to do that tomorrow? 
Yeah. Right. And then I think, does it even matter? Will I have electricity to run it? <laughs> will I have internet? <laughs> will, will, will it even matter? Will I be breaking it down to form some sort of crude spear out of my computer parts? Perhaps the day afterwards. Using the case. <laughs> yes. So, well, if, if we don't have electricity for a long time, don't worry, because 99% of the people are going to be dead within a month. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, starvation on a scale that we've never seen before in human history will take. And place. nobody's talking. And I didn't bring this up. I don't think last week, but nobody's talking about Africa, man. What happens when that starvation hits real hard in Africa due to COVID? And nobody, nobody, no, who's given to Africa still? Who's yeah, helping now? Except you, you assume Africa is doing worse because of all this stuff. They, some places in Africa have done lockdowns, some haven't. Some of them are actually, from what I've heard, doing kind of well compared to how they were doing before. I mean, they're, let, they're letting it go. <laughs> If, if they're following the Europeans, they're probably doing fine. So, okay. Okay. We're doing whatever over here yeah, in America. We are doing welcome, whatever. What, welcome to federalism. This is, this is when federalism does not shine. This is, well, this. I mean, I don't know. Canada is, is also federal, and they're doing really well. So I don't, I, I, don't know, I don't think that's the explanation. The provinces in Canada are very independent. Do, do, Really? They yeah. Ottawa could just be like, "Hey, bro, we're gonna like yeah. not agree, not do what you say, Trudeau. We're gonna do our own Absolutely. thing." Absolutely, yeah, and especially Quebec. Actually, they're, they're like the worst. <laughs> well, Quebec are jerks. We already <laughs> always do that. I've been there. It's a bunch of jerks. Yeah, they, but, they each each province has its own immigration system, like total totally different from from the others. So they're, they're even more federalized than the U.S. is. Yeah, the problem with America is not the federalization. The problem is everybody hates each other and we can't get anything done. <laughs> and, and Trump is the – this is, this is my biggest thing. I was talking to a coworker the other day because I'm stupid and talk politics with coworkers. And they're like, you know, I hate Trump. And I'm like, I get it. Like, I get it. I'm going to vote for the guy, but I get it if you hate him. And he is absolutely the right guy against China. He's the right guy with Russia. He's the right guy on a lot, so many things that I like, but he is the wrongest of wrong for pulling people together <laughs> under, under coronavirus. He is literally yeah. the worst pick, the worst pick. My, my shoe would have been a better pick. People <laughs> like shoes, shoes are pretty good. Okay. Now let's solve Corona. Right. But Trump, like Trump says this, I like this treatment and then everybody has to hate it. Right. Because he's built up this culture and mm -hmm. he's done nothing he's to alleviate the polarization. Yeah. He, yeah. And he's, plays into that showmanship. And so whenever he's, I do genuinely believe the man is a patriot. And I do genuinely believe that the man is like saying uh, hydroxychloroquine is a good drug because he believes it and he's got the research. However, he can't, it's too late, man. You already built up this culture of you versus them. And so even if you're saying the right things, even if you're saying the good things, nobody's going to listen to you now. It's like the boy who cried wolf only. It's the boy who just punched everybody you didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's right, and, and, and I can't believe I'm going to agree with William F. Buckley, but I, at one point he said, I would rather be governed by the first 2,000 people in the telephone directory than by the Harvard University faculty. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I almost would be rather there be a random whatever 600 people picked to rule us in Washington, D.C. than the current group we've got. Yes. It might not be great, but I think it'd be better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. Maybe Kanye would be one of them. I think we should have a lottery. Yeah, like they used to do in uh, ancient Greece. Every four years, lottery. Random people up in there. That works for a very small environment. Hey, it may work. <laughs> hey, you know what? I don't know. 
out. Okay, I think I think we're done with this segment. Yes, I think we're done there. We've gone to fiat government by lottery. Um, yeah, let's which, do it. Trump bans TikTok, and I'm stressing bans because he didn't really, but he kind of did. Uh, I read some other sources to try to get my head around this. Um, I found Yahoo News actually be pretty good on this one. That that he has essentially stopped TikTok's ability to network with their Chinese mothership, so to speak, and that's going to prevent updating and will eventually just kill off TikTok if nothing is done to enter to stop that situation. Do I? Do you think I have the gist of that? That's what I heard, and it goes as far as. Um, there's already been a lawsuit filed by a bunch of TikTok employees because they're saying under the executive order, it would be illegal for TikTok to pay them their salaries, oh. their wages, etc. Well, maybe maybe that needs to happen. I'm being honest. Maybe we need to start drawing a line on some stuff you're doing as employees in this free market. Don't work for terrible companies that report to communist dictatorships that have human rights abuses. I'm, I'm being real here. I hate China. As Look, by the way, Chinese people, amazing. I just said this to my son because my son loves everything about China. He thinks it's beautiful, all the Chinese style stuff. That, like, But I have to explain to him, China is an amazing culture and amazing people that their own government won't let them enjoy. <laughs> their whole government tries to destroy their, their ancient culture and their, their history. And so it's run by some really bad people. So when I say I hate China, I don't mean Chinese people. I definitely don't mean Chinese Americans, but I do mean the Chinese government. So with that said, yeah, should, should these guys not be paid? I agree. Jip, what do you think? This is a really weird relationship, the U.S.-China relationship. Indeed. Because it's, um, they are a communist country, Whose, whose very ethos is opposed to the existence of the U.S., right? Like, like Russia once was. And somehow the powers that be in the U.S. have come to terms with that. Now, obviously it's because they place their own personal interest above that of the nation state, right? This is a problem with supranational corporate entities. So, and this is why people like what Trump has done, because he's kind of saying, no, you know what? My loyalty is not to um, the boardroom. My loyalty is to the American people, which is something that no other politician in recent memory has done. Yes, I would say we can't allow people who Sorry. work for the Communist Party of China to run businesses in the U.S. and draw U.S. salaries. No. And, and to be fair, the, you say no politician. It was kind of the party line of the Democratic Party up until Obama that we were anti-China. The right wing was free market at any cost. And the, the Democrats were, well, China, the Chinese free market or having a free market with China actually hurts American workers, right? That used to be the Democrat platform. And well, one I of the reasons the last time I heard a Democrat say that. Carrie uh, Edwards. Okay. Edwards was big on that. Yeah. So, yeah. Bernie Sanders also used to believe that, but he changed well, yeah, his mind in the last run. He's he's not a Democrat, though, so he doesn't count. Yeah, fair. All right. So at any rate, what do you say, seriously? Are you we going to go hard on China and stop people from getting paid? This is a really complicated question, and I don't know where I go with this. Uh, I mean, seriously doesn't like nation states. I, I see oh, it. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's TikTok, like, I'm not as much of a tech guy as, say, Jip is, but I know that a lot of people, and it's not, it, it's very bipartisan. A lot of people are really worried about TikTok, about it spying, about it having terrible security. Like, that's a problem on multiple levels. 
I certainly want that to stop. I think, you know, a lot of getting the, the word out on, you know, like stop using this app would help some people, you know, especially a lot of dumb teenagers are probably not going to get See, those memos. Here's the thing though. These apps, they all spy on you. Like, I, I'm sorry, this is going to be me being Dale from, from King of the Hill again, but they, <laughs> they, they all spy on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your TV is looking at you right now. I, I, I believe that uh, in so many, in, to, to greater or lesser extent. However, I, this is going to sound so weird. I must prefer that information going to a Google server where our, our government, if needed, can say stop or say purge it or has some control over Google. Then it goes to the Chinese government. And I do draw a line there. And I also would prefer it not to go to Google. I prefer all the spying to stop, absolutely, including the Patriot Act. The problem, I think, is it's national security, and that's why the TikTok banning is justified. Like, I'm just going to say this for the two people who listen, and, and that's probably a high estimate. Uh, something I heard from a YouTuber I watch uh, that I thought was really smart. He said, you know, one just something you can do when you go buy paper plates, look at the bottom. If one's made in Indiana and one's made in China, pay 10 cents more by the Indiana. Are we back to that now? Should we be doing that? Yeah, buy America, 70s, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Should we? I mean, is that is that a moral good right now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you should buy. I mean, the the ideal situation is you buy things that were made within a couple hundred miles of where you live, but that's pretty unreasonable usually, unless you live in Vermont. Ha ha ha. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Like within the borders of the U.S., the closer to you, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it comes down to: Would I pay one percent more to buy American? Sure. Will I pay 50% more to buy American? No, I'm not going to. Whether I should or shouldn't, I'm not. 10%. And I'm asking this not just to be a jerk. 10%. I, I don't know. I, in okay. some cases, I might. In some cases, I might not. And that, that 10% might – like 10 cents? Yeah, I probably don't care about 10 cents. But if I'm buying something that costs you know, $10,000 and suddenly it's you know, $11,000, eh, I might not buy American. See, that's where you and I disagree. See, wow. I, went, I went with my truck, my Toyota truck, when I bought it 20 years ago, still runs. I bought that because I knew it was made in America. Toyota has manufacturing plants here. So I paid more for the American than I would otherwise. Well, so. I mean, it's, you got to be careful. I mean, this is where the amoral nature of economics comes in, right? Because you are, you are taking advantage of slavery when, when you make that choice. Ooh, buy, here we go. By the extremely cheap good that – Clearly should cost more, but doesn't. How? How can I have a computer that costs six hundred dollars? That makes no sense. <laughs> In the palm of your hand. In the palm of your hand. It's because there are children mining the cobalt in Africa, right? For for the batteries, and that's that's why they can give you a computer for six hundred dollars. And you should think about that. So does individual does libertarian individual responsibility extend so much to those kind of decisions? Well, what I'm, what I'm laughing at in my head is we just got to the good place. I don't know if either of you have seen it, but that's yes. part of the issue is nobody goes to the good right. place. Sorry, spoilers. What right. is the good place? Wait, hold on. I'm no, out. It's a Netflix show. Well, it, ah. it was a broadcast show. It was The first season is probably one of the best seasons of TV that's come out in the last 10 years, it's honestly. Good. Wow. Um, the second and third season are okay. I haven't seen the fourth season yet. That sounds like Netflix all the time. They do that, or all those shows. Well, but it was a CBS or NBC show, I think, that Netflix just picked up. First season's amazing, then they kind of fall off. But, um, but anyway, like part, part of the, the thing of the show is they're looking at who gets to go to heaven, who doesn't, and context matters. So, oh, you bought an Apple 
but that guy <laughs> beat up his wife the night before, so that was a bad thing, not a good thing. Okay, so now we're getting down to brass tacks because well, no, there's a no, question that, I want to ask. Hold you on. can't get out that way, though, because, yeah, that, that was the premise is that, okay, you bought this electronics, but there was child labor involved, so, you know, you lose 100 points. I mean, that's something that you can know, though, as a consumer. Like, you can research and find out if people have dirty supply chains. That's, but the question is, is it possible to buy a phone today that doesn't use those dirty supply chains? Right. Yeah. And there, there are projects that, that do that, that emphasize like, you know, fair trade or equal exchange or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's not going to be the iPhone, right? It's not going to be as good. I'm, I'm going to admit that. <laughs> okay. So hold on, hold on. Now I'm going to get back to this because you, you, you brought in the concept of heaven. Can we do this? Can we push back against China? I mean, I'm talking about ethically, morally, uh, in the in the economy. Is it possible to do this without? And I, I think we need two things. I think we need nationalism. Whether you hate it or don't, or you think it's jingoistic or whatever, you need nationalism because not everybody is as enlightened as you are to see through it, right? You need nationalism for your average American to go. You know what? Yeah, I believe in this, and I actually do too. I'm not above it. And then the other thing that you need is um, religion, you need religion, because not everybody has the time to go and get a minor in philosophy to double and triple think their own morality. Not everybody went to a liberal arts college. You need you need to be as uh, uh, John Adams said: "This nation only works for a moral and Christian nation." Moral and Christian people, yeah. Of course, excuse me. I'm sorry, it's late. Yeah, this only works for a moral and Christian people. So do we need those two things if we're going to push back against against China? And if so, who's pushing that? It's not the Democrats, and it's definitely not the Republicans either. Neither one is nationalistic particularly, and neither – you can say the Republicans are more because they wear red or something. But And neither one is overtly Christian either or overtly religious, I should say. And that's where I think libertarian. There's another weakness in libertarianism. It's all in the head. Libertarians so cerebral. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, it's so cerebral that you're gonna. Of course, you're gonna buy the Chinese product. Why wouldn't you? No God, no country, buy China, right? So I don't know. That scares me. That we're raising an entire. And this is gonna be off the deep end, but we'll we'll do this later. <laughs> but but we're raising an entire. A generation of what C.S. Lewis would call men without chest, men without virtue, without anything to believe in. Um, and that is, that is terrible. And I know it because I teach them and I try my best, but I'm just one teacher in amongst plenty of others who want to tell them how stupid nationalism is. And it's like, well, no, it's not. It's not stupid in and of itself. No, I mean, you should care about people in Nebraska that you haven't met. Like, right. Good to do that. <laughs> right. You should care about the, ben- the welfare of the nation, and you should promote the good things in your nation, and you should criticize the bad. These are all parts of nationalism. If but, there's a hurricane in Florida, I don't mind paying taxes so that they can get disaster relief. Exactly. However, to- so, uh, closer. In our opener, we asked what is the best PC game and why. Now we want to ask you what's your favorite PC game and why? And why it's not the best? Why you wouldn't put it up as the best? Let's go. You know what? I'll open. Okay. It's easy. Mass Effect series. 
Mm-hmm. I'll, I would put up the series if you have to pin me down to one. I'd say Mass Effect Two, of course. Right. I, I I think Three is good, especially after they fixed the DLC. But regardless, we're getting in the weeds here. Mass Effect series. It's got everything I love. It's got good action. One was kind of lame action, but two and three, so much good action, good storyline, good characters, good graphics, good sci-fi premise, really cool sci-fi premise, actually, delivered well. It basically fires on all my cylinders, and that means it's overall good. It's overall 9 out of 10, 8.5 out of 10 across the board on everything. And that, and I, I, ju- I picked it because it's the game I keep coming back to. I've probably beaten that series three or four times, and I played it again this year. I keep coming back to it like a favorite movie. So that's my favorite game. But it's not the best, because you can pick it apart. You can say the comp head isn't the best, or the dialogue's like a Michael Bay movie or whatever. Sure, but it's I love it. Seriously? So my absolute favorite game and this is a fairly recent one, is Total War Warhammer 2. Ooh. And I love, I love the whole Total War series. There's a few bad games in there, but overall, I played Rome when it came out, and it's just a fantastic system. But Total War Warhammer and Warhammer 2, I love the lore of the Warhammer universe. I love the, the characters. I love the story. And mixing that with Total War, adding in things like dragons and monsters and giants and magic it it's just a game that i've literally i I checked on my steam account i've spent well over a thousand hours playing the game wow the reason it's not the best game is first of all there are some significant issues with the balance and the gameplay but also if you're not a warhammer fan if you don't know the lore and mm-hmm. you just aren't playing this game, you will be going, what the hell is going Who are these people? What? I don't understand any of this. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was hard for me to get into, but I don't, I don't much care for the Total War series. I find it sluggish, but that's me, and maybe I'm doing something wrong. All right, it definitely so- takes a long time to play a game, too, which is another downside to some people. Mm-hmm. Mine would be um, Homeworld. I knew you were going to say Homeworld. I should have yes. called it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. No, you guys, and it's, it's like the perfect mix for me because – it's got it's got really solid storytelling, great cutscenes, and it's an RTS, right? Is it like when has there been an RTS with with a really like well crafted, engaging story? Never. So Warcraft two. <laughs> this it's a little bit uh, yeah I don't know, <laughs> but and the fact that it was the first RTS to be uh, to take place in in full three D space. Which, ah. you know, at the time, this was in an era when I had just finished reading Ender's Game. So it was like, that's how I envisioned, like, the interface looking when uh, Ender is, you know, committing uh, xenocide against uh, the uh, the bugger race, right? And so that was just... Uh, excellent. Excellent. I want to point out that you called them the bugger race. Yes. Which cracks me up. Well, All right. That's what they are. Oh, oh, it's not the bug race or something? They call them the no, buggers? The buggers yeah. Or the formics. Um, that, sounds, there, that sounds way less cool. Is there a metaphor there? Probably. He was Mormon. <laughs> At any rate, so let's... Oh, let's true. I never thought about that. Oh. Let's end on that. So... Um, <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> yeah, edit this out. Is that... Is that this yeah. is what Ender's, Ender's Game is a metaphor about. All right. All right. This has been the Patriarchy Podcast with Roger, Cersei, and Jip. I hope you enjoyed.